0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast, created in the studios of Independent Community Radio Station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews3 crorgau Evil minds at plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. War machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwash minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week. My name's Joseph Toscana, and I have the honour of being the first broadcaster allowed back into the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. Hopefully this will change things, that we'll see more and more broadcasters able to come in and uh, broadcast live, many on the community radio network. We have over 10 programs, Community Radio 3CR, which are broadcast nationally on the community radio network, and we thank those people very much for keeping the community radio network on air during the COVID-19 crisis. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, No, it's not about keeping us on air. Anarchos, without rulers. It's very simple. An anarchist is somebody who'd like to live in a society without rulers. Not without rules, but without rulers. What gives rulers power? Well, what gives rulers the ability to determine your life and the life of billions of people on this planet? It's very simple. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, which is to share power, and it's the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. It's a very simple concept. It's a concept which human beings have been struggling for since time immemorial. Now, just a a few little housekeeping events. Look, it's nice to be back in the studio. I nearly fell asleep. Uh, It's lucky that the uh, intro song woke me up. It's good to be surrounded by all these pieces of equipment, which allow us, obviously, with human intervention of the staff at Community Radio 3CR and the staff at the Community Radio Network to be heard across Australia. So it's great to be back in the studio. I mean, I've been here for 43 years, same studio, same boring studio, but I think it's been repainted while I've been away. Now... Just something a bit funny to start off with. I think we need a bit of light humour. And the light humour for the week for me was uh, uh, Mr Tony Abbott, our former Prime Minister, the man who believes climate change is a left-wing plot. You know, the man who you know who introduced a lot of fascinating things in our society, you know, marginalised the poor, tried to destroy uh, Medicare, and the list goes on and on. Well, he's now become a companion of the Order of Australia. That is the highest honour which can be bestowed on a human being in this country. Now, I've always been a little bit amused by the honours list, the Australian honours list, because the first thing is it is actually run by a private corporation on behalf of the government. That's right, private corporation on behalf of the government. Secondly, the only time you can receive an honour is during Invasion Day, they call it Australia Day. Or Queen Lizzie's birthday. Come on, what radical activist would actually accept an honour on either of those days? So in 2005, because I never saw any names, you know, on the New Year's Honours list and the, uh, you know, the Queen Birthday's Honours list and the Australia Honours list, you know, I never see any names that I recognise. Well, maybe public names, you know, people who get honours for doing their job you know philanthropists people who are you know squirrel away their money and then uh, use every uh, every thing in the book every law in the book to minimize their tax legally obviously and uh, the list goes on and on so in 2005 they reclaimed the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations Committee which has been hosting the uh, Eureka Rebellion Celebrations on the 3rd of December in Ballarat in Victoria on the 3rd of December, you know, for the last almost 20 years, introduced the Eureka Australia Medal. And nominations are open today for the Eureka Australia Medal. The Eureka Australia Medal, there are six which are awarded. We don't actually have a hierarchy of uh, honours, as they do in the Queen Lizzie and the Invasion Day Australian Uh, Honours list where there's a hierarchy where people like Tony Abbott get the top gong and people who work their butt out for 50 years serving the community get the bottom gong. You know, we have six gongs, six Eureka Australia medals and uh, it's uh, public nominations, basically. And what I'd like you to remember is when you nominate somebody, uh, we use the Eureka Oath as our bedrock in terms of trying to work out what people have done in order to change society, not to enrich themselves, not to grandiose and grandstand, but to actually help their fellow human beings. And the Eureka Rafe is very simple. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. Now, if you know somebody who has worked tirelessly, never been recognised for their work or hardly recognised for their work who has been instrumental in changing policy in this country, he has been instrumental in being involved in grassroots movements which have actually changed things for the better, well then, this is your chance to nominate them. It's very simple. Uh, We need their name, obviously, a contact point for them, whether it's an email address or a postal address or, you know, where they live. Uh, We also need two or three sentences from you about why you think they should receive a uh, Eureka Australia medal. And um, and then obviously we need your name and uh, contact details for you so we can get back in, in contact with you. Now, nominations close on the 3rd of November, so you've got almost six months, or was it five months, to get nominations in. And the Eureka Australia medal recipients receive their medal, which is uh, handcrafted, uh, It's got the Eureka Star on it. That's the eight-pointed Eureka Star. They actually received it around uh, mid-morning at Ballarat, at Bakery Hill, at the very place where the Eureka Oath was sworn by Eureka miners and their supporters on the 29th of November, 1854. But I don't want you to ring me up. You need to put it on paper. You can either do it by email and you can send the email to info at anarchistage at yahoo.com or if that's too long for you can always send it to uh, info at pipsy.net very simple pipsy.net or anarchistage at yahoo.com just email the details Uh, if you don't want to email them you can always post them to post office box 20 parkville 3052 that's post office box 20 parkville 3052 why should we let them decide who they think of the people who have made contributions to this country, you know, the usual suspects. So this is your chance to even up the score. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Talk about missed opportunities. Now, last week... Or was it earlier on this week? I mean, things seem to come and go, and I seem to be forget these days. But the government announced some package to assist the construction industry. Some convoluted package, which allowed people to get twenty five grand, I think, for spending one hundred and fifty grand on uh, home renovations. Really convoluted, stupid program which supposedly is to keep the construction industry going as the orders dry up over the, last, over the next few months, you know, orders for new housing because people don't want to take that risk. And I'm thinking to myself, and I think it was an $800 million package, and I'm thinking to myself, where do these people come from? What do they eat for breakfast? Are they on hallucinogenic drugs? I mean, you want to solve the problem of housing affordability, not just homelessness, but housing affordability. We need more public housing stock, not social housing stock, not affordable housing stock, not community housing stock, which are all basically privately owned by some for -for not-for-profit and some by for-profit organisations, but public housing, housing which is publicly owned and publicly managed. I mean, I've always fought. I mean, the whole point of public housing when it's introduced after World War II, after a lot of push and shove by returned servicemen and women who were living in tents around the capital cities in this country because of a lack of accommodation. The whole purpose of uh, public housing was to provide affordable, stable, secure housing for people who would never be able to enter the property market, who would never be able to buy their own property. And at one stage, up to 15% of Australians were living in public housing today. It's less than 2%. So what we've seen over the last four decades is a concerted attempt by governments across the country, especially in Victoria, to privatise public housing in various ways by transferring leases to community and affordable and uh, social housing organisations, by guaranteeing... Uh, loans to these organisations to build new housing, the list goes on and on. And it's quite uh, sad to see the construction, forestry, mining, maritime and energy unions kind of jump on board and talk about social housing and not public housing is the answer. So what a missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity to make housing affordability available to everyone. I mean obviously homelessness is the tip of the iceberg and there are many people who are not homeless but who are paying 40, 50, 60, 70% of their income for some rental property somewhere you know and the people who suffer are obviously those who earn less it's very simple and i just find it extraordinary that so few political figures social figures community figures you know celebrities kind of ignore the concept of public housing, which is tried tried and tested. Now, we're in the process of uh, reorganising our public housing vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, and I expect, and I'll give you more information next week, I expect the vigils will recommence um, around midday, uh, in the first Wednesday in July. Now, we haven't actually nail that into the ground, but uh, hopefully by next week I'll have the full details of that event because um, I think it's important that people understand the importance of public housing in our society. Because while there is, uh, while we rely totally on the private sector, which is the private sector, it's all about private investment for private profit, that's what capitalism is about, private investment for private profit, while we rely on the uh, private sector to uh, House people, we have this ridiculous situation in Australia, which is a relatively rich country compared to many other places in the world, where many people, up to one third of the population, uh, suffer housing stress in this country, and obviously it's been compounded by the COVID-19 crisis. You're listening to The Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, I did notice over the last year or so, that uh, Chinese, Chinese bashing has become a regular sport in this country. I mean, we've got a, a long history of Chinese bashing in Australia. And I've always thought it was a little bit silly, you know. I mean, I've got no truck with the Chinese Communist Party, an authoritarian state capitalist uh, organisation. It's got nothing to do with communism these days. It hasn't had anything to do with communism for decades. But, you know, when you're trading, when one third of your economy is reliant on one major player, you really got to remember the old adage not to bite the hand that feeds you. And the Australian uh, ruling classes are beginning to understand uh, the consequences of the policies they've been pursuing. Now, everybody talks about Chinese investment. Well, the height of the Chinese investment uh, phase in Australia was in 2018... Sorry, 2008. My apologies, 2008. When Chinese investors invested $16.8 billion. this is the Chinese, um, $16.8 billion in Australia in 2019, guess what, how much was invested? $2.4 billion. It's almost dropped by, um, what, 800%, from $16.8 billion to $2.4 billion. And what we've seen over the last few weeks is a concerted effort by the Chinese Communist Party, which is... Uh, Uh, more interested in its uh, Belt and Road Initiative, which is trying to incorporate developing nations into its uh, economic uh, network, that it's beginning to lose interest in countries like Australia. And we've seen directives come out regarding uh, students not coming because of uh, racism, endemic racism in this country, and uh, tourists thinking twice about uh, coming here when the borders reopen. There is a bit of a scramble out there There's a bit of a scramble out there about what to do regarding the economy. So I'm not commenting either here or there, whether it's good or bad, but I think it's important that people understand the facts and figures. And obviously putting all your eggs in one basket to use an old cliche is a a silly thing to do, especially during a period where globalisation seems to have been the uh, mantra of the day, where Local production has basically been destroyed where we've used uh, millions of temporary uh, workers on temporary visas to actually keep uh, wages down and destroy the trade union movement. So, I mean, uh, we are at a juncture. It's not critical, but we are at a juncture. Things are changing. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, just a community announcement. Now, I... am. Um, been broadcasting from the studios of Community Radio f- 3CR for 43 years, much longer than I'd care to remember. Uh, in a, an anarchist program, initially the anarchist world this week was called Encounters with the Third Alternative when the Berlin Wall came down and showed the, uh, showed the, uh, th- the depths of despair of the so called communist experiment. We changed the name to Anarchist World this week because we don't have a communist countries anymore. We have countries which are based on the concept of state capitalism where the state owns the means of production, distribution and exchange and we have countries which are based on private capitalism where private individuals and corporations through the stock markets and shares own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And so anarchism is a different way It's a community focused, community driven mechanism of creating a society and an economy which is based on the satisfaction of real, not manufactured human needs, needs that are manufactured for profit. So I've been a little bit amazed about how stupid we've been in this country over the last four decades. And I had to laugh when I heard my friends—that's right, those billionaires that own the mining assets in this country—talk about that iron ore royalties would increase, or iron ore royalties and taxes would increase by twenty-one billion over the next decade. That's two point one billion dollars. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm thinking to myself after the Duke and Caves uh, fiasco, which I'll mention later on, I'm thinking to myself. What planet are Australians living on? What planet am I living on? We have 25 million people living on a continent which is resource-rich. And most of the economic largesse comes from exporting these minerals and resources, things like bauxite, coal, iron ore, diamonds, gold, bauxite, rare minerals, and the list goes on and on and on. And I'm thinking to myself, we should be the richest nation on earth. There should not be one child living in poverty in this country, let alone one adult living in poverty in this country. We should have a universal basic income for everyone because we have the resources to finance it. So there's a social security net in times of national emergency and in times of personal emergency for each and every person living on this continent. We should be in a position where we can actually negotiate treaties and compensation with this nation's First Nations people. There are so many things that we could be capable of if our resource base was owned by the people not by private corporations who pay royalties and tax when i hear the iron ore industry which is peppered with billionaires talk about paying an extra 21 billion dollars in tax and royalties over the next uh, you know over the next uh, decade i laugh it's a little bit like sweeping a few more crumbs off the corporate table for us to fight over. I mean, it's ludicrous. These privately based organisations, these corporations, many listed on the stock market, many privately owned, are making billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars from exploiting resources which theoretically are owned by each and every one of us on this country and we have to wait at the bottom of the table for a few more crumbs to be swept in our direction. So I think one of the most important things we should be looking at, it's not just an increase in royalties and taxes in the mining sector, but actually a takeover a nationalisation of the mining sector. But this time we do it right. We do it through a referendum. We don't pay them compensation. We nationalise our assets and use those assets for the benefit of the people in this country, in this country, both First Nations people and everybody else. Isn't it about time we started talking about this instead of you know, jumping up and down because we're going to receive an extra $21 billion in iron ore royalties and taxes over the next decade, that's $2.1 billion per year, which is nothing when you look at the billions of dollars which have been thrown about currently by um, governments at the state and federal level to combat the COVID-19 economic crisis. Think about it. I think this should be an, an important issue that we should start canvassing now. Obviously, there'll be a lot of blowback from the mining sector. Obviously, they'll start getting a little bit concerned because we're going to take away their resources, actually our resources. But why shouldn't they be publicly owned? Their ownership incorporated in the Australian Constitution, so no future government can sell them without a referendum. And I reckon... We had a referendum tomorrow. That uh, a majority of Australians, and a majority of states, would actually agree to having these uh, corporations nationalised, so that we can all enjoy the uh, all enjoy the uh, you know this land. Very simple. I mean, if you're going to exploit it economically, you may as well ensure that everybody enjoys it, not just a small minority of the own own those assets or manage those assets on behalf of the people of this country. I mean, if there's anything to highlight the uh, stupidity of these mining companies and what is important to them is the destruction of the Jukan Caves in West Australia by Rio Tinto. Now, obviously, they did it legally because of the poverty of laws to protect Aboriginal heritage sites, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander heritage sites in this country. But let's not forget this. This is a cave, that caves that everybody knew had been inhabited by human beings for over forty five thousand years. You know what's that? Fifteen times older than the pyramids. This was an extraordinarily rich archaeological site, and if the state government couldn't protect it, you would think the executives at Rio Tinto would have had enough brains to have ensured that somehow these Ks were saved. I mean, all this does is highlight the mentality of the mining sector in this country, which is a mentality which is based on profit for profit's sake. And if you bore me with the idea that they employ billions of people, they don't. They employ less than 2% of people in this country. So think about it. Who owns the resources? Does Queen Lizzie own the resources? These private corporations own the resources? Do Australians' First Nations people own the resources? And even with land rights, the amount of money which is given to First Nations people by these corporations is a pittance compared to the profits they make. Or do we all own these resources and we should use them for the common good? You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia uh, via the community radio satellite from the studios of uh, Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. Now, as I said before, I've been broadcasting here for 43 years, much longer than I care to remember, and who knows how long more I'll broadcast. It's in the lap of the gods, as they say. But Normally at this time of year we have a radio fund here at uh, Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne radical radio in order to ensure the station continues to be community owned and community run for the next 12 months. And now this year because of the COVID-19 crisis we actually haven't been able to hold our annual radio fund but that doesn't mean you still doesn't mean you still can't support Community Radio 3CR. Now there's a number of ways to do it. And I don't usually talk about getting a nice feeling in your belly by, you know, contributing to Community Radio 3CR. I, I, I say to you, do what the rich and famous do. If you're in work and you pay taxes, this is a great opportunity to legally lighten your tax bill by donating to Community Radio 3CR because every donation over $2 is a legal, legitimate tax deduction. And every year I highlight this aspects of uh, the Radio fund. This year it's actually a, uh, a month of a uh, radiophon, believe Well, it's actually not a radiophon, but it's a month of uh, asking people to donate. Now, you can do it in a number of ways. If you're a computer literate, and maybe 1% of the listeners are, I'm just joking there, you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate, 3cr.org.au forward slash donate and Donate. You can always ring 039 419 If you've got a credit card, you can donate 039 Or if you're like me, you're a little bit suspicious of all this new technology, you can actually send a cheque or money order. That's right. Make it out to 3CR. Send it to post office box 1277 Collingwood, 3066 Now this is just a personal message for Mr. Johnny Lata who's a big donator to Community Radio 3CR a professional gambler. He kind of cornered me when I was looking at the Yabbies in the upcountry a few month, uh, a few weeks ago and uh, he slipped me 200 bucks and he said he'd uh, donate $1000 to the appeal, the uh, June 3CR appeal. Now, I haven't seen him since. I assume he's losing on the track or losing at his poker games. But, uh, Johnny, I know where you are, and I expect the 800 bucks to be paid by the end of June. That doesn't leave you very much time. And he doesn't need a legal, legitimate tax deduction because I don't think he runs a legal, legitimate business. But you do need a legal, legitimate tax deduction. And if you don't you got a bit of extra money, well... Keep 3CR on air. There are many extraordinary programs and 3CR, as I said, is part of the community radio network and they stay on air and it's just a wonderful relationship because a lot of people say to me, oh, why do you bother? Why do you bother? You know, radio's dead. Well, radio isn't dead. Radio is not dead. There's nothing more boring than a podcast. I know this program is a podcast and you can go to 3cr.org.au To listen to the podcast of the Anarchist World this week. There is nothing better than live radio. Nothing better. Where you're flying through the seat of your pants. You're sitting down. Talking to a phone for the last three months. Now talking back on the microphone. The Studios Community Radio 3CR. And trying to make sense of a world. Where it's becoming increasingly difficult. To actually uh, work out what's happening. Now. I remember a long time ago, time ago, I was when I was a little kid. I was agog, agog. I saw, I saw a bird in winter, and I thought, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" Ah, springs round the corner, springs round the corner, and uh, I think it was oh, an adu- an adult. I can't remember if it was a parent or not, or somebody else. They said to me, "Joe," I said, "A single bird." dozen foreshadow spring is around the corner. And this reminds me about what's happening on our stock market, not our stock market, their stock market today. Now, if anybody's a stock market investor, there's been a huge rally over the last few weeks. Huge rally by all these people who somehow think we are going to have a V-shaped economic recovery. And just in case you're not up with the lingo, the economic lingo, a V-shaped economic recovery means COVID-19 crisis, business shutdown, voom, all the figures go down, unemployment goes up, profits decrease, tax receipts decrease, recession begins, and then you lift the restrictions as you control the virus and bingo, the economy rebounds. And I can see all these um, investors on the uh, world stock markets and the Australian stock markets, rubbing their hands in glee and saying, "Oh, oh, oh! I'm going to get my franking credits from the you know my shares at the end, you know, within a few months. It's all coming back. It was down to four thousand, now up to six thousand, and before we know it, we'll be you know in this great eco- economic recovery." Well, I just like to remind these investors there is a difference between what happens on the stock market and what happens in the real world. And currently, you and I have been cushioned to a significant degree by a number of government initiatives which have been put in place to ensure the economy didn't uh, collapse completely. And these are job seekers, that's doubling the unemployment benefit, which will phase out at the end of September, and JobKeeper, which are about 3 million Australian workers are on. Where they, and about a third of them are actually getting more money than they did when they are actually employed. And and uh, the bank's moratorium on housing loan repayments, just a moratorium, and the fact that businesses that uh, had leases were able to, in some cases, defer their payments. And the problem is that uh, all these uh, temporary measures are starting to be removed And all these stock market investors who think they can see these swallows, you know, come across and springs around the corner, they're going to make lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money, need to understand the reality. And the reality is this. Commercial real estate prices have dropped by at least 8% in Australia in the last two months. And they're not rising. Because what the COVID-19 crisis has done is actually increased... The penetration of online purchasing, which means fewer and fewer businesses may need to have shop fronts or as many shop fronts as they currently have, as online purchasing increases and in the uh, the value of the uh, the shopping centres and uh, factories around the place drops. As their value drops, the construction of new centres will dry up. And that's what we're seeing now. A lot of people who are on JobKeeper are currently theoretically still employed, but once the JobKeeper allowance is removed, and we're seeing this already, we've seen three childcare, which has been which will cease in a week or two, and those two hundred thousand workers in the childcare sector who are on JobKeeper currently will actually lose that benefit in the middle of July, much before the end of September when they were tell which we were told initially. So as more and more sections of the economy lose jobkeeper, you will find that businesses will close. And I have noticed not that it means anything, but I have noticed a lot more for lease signs on uh, shops and factories around the place over the last four to six weeks because the fact about the COVID nineteen crisis and deferral of uh, rental payments for businesses is the fact that is you've got two years to make up that difference. What that means is you'll continue to pay your normal rent, and at the same time, over the next two years, you'll have to pay all that back rent you didn't pay, and all those outgoings, which is you know fancy name for insurance. Uh, you know the list goes on and on. You know all the fees and charges, land tax, GST, goes on and on. So obviously, obviously, many businesses, once Job Seeker uh, is pulled out from under them, are just going to fold. Then we've got what we're told is the mining boom, because iron ore, you know, is the big export from Australia, and that's why we're going to get an extra twenty-one billion over the next decade in royalties and taxes. As if well, you know that. Impresses you or me. But the fact is that as iron ore production comes back online in Brazil and other parts of the world, uh, the iron ore price will decrease. And as China moves from a manufacturing economy to a service-based economy, you will find that iron ore prices will decrease. And that will cause some problems in the marketplace. Then you've got all these people who uh, have... uh, put aside their mortgage repayments. Now remember, the banks are still charging interest on those mortgage repayments and you'll be expected to catch up on those mortgage repayments. So there are many factors out there which mean that what we are seeing on the stock market doesn't really reflect the reality on the ground and the reality on the ground is an exceptionally different picture. And then comes the day of reckoning. (laughs) I'm sorry to use a religious analogy, but the Day of Reckoning. You know, Australia will be an extra maybe trillion dollars in debt. That debt has to be repaid. And how do you think they're going to repay that debt? Are they going to nationalise the uh, minerals and industry in this country? Of course not. They're the main backers of governments and oppositions currently. What they will do is they'll introduce new taxes... And they'll once again move away from the concept that we're all in this together, which is the big phrase we're using today. We're all in this together, to the phrase of, you know, the, um, you know, the dull bludges and, you know, the list goes on and on. I don't want to go into that. So think about it. Are we seeing the first swallow of spring? Well, we've seen a swallow that's actually just lost its way at the beginning of winter, because we are at the beginning of winter, not just winter in terms of uh, temperatures, but winter in terms of an economic winter. Now, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. We'll see at the end of September, when all the stops are pulled out, the borders are still closed, there's no tourism, minimal international students coming to this country. And the list goes on and on. Because remember, the biggest employer in this country after retail is tourism. And it doesn't matter how much uh, internal travel you do when the borders border restrictions are lifted the next few months. The fact is that this country relies very heavily on international tourism. It's one of the major earners in this country. I think it's mining... Education, tourism, in that order. Or I could be wrong. It could be tourism and education. So, if you think it's all hunky-dory, if you think it's all over, it's not. The COVID nineteen uh, virus is still in the community at very low levels. It may be able to be contained while the borders are closed, but eventually the borders will be reopened. That's always an issue. So you've got the medical and health issues. At the same time, you've got the economic issues. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, sometimes there are things that really bring tears to your eyes in this uh, in this business of broadcasting, and uh, I'm a really ..annoyed currently, and I've been annoyed about this for decades. Now, you know there are three official Australian flags that have got the imprint as official Australian flags. No, the Eureka flag isn't an official Australia flag. It's your flag and my flag, but it's not their flag. Not that we want them ever to be one of their flags. But there are three official Australian flags. There's the Australian flags with the British flag in the corner... And the uh, Southern Cross on it, I think it's the Southern Cross. You know, the states and the federation and all that. The one you see flying everywhere. Then you've got the Aboriginal flag, which is an official Australian flag. And then you have the Torres Strait Islander flag, which is an official Australian flag. But there's a problem. There is a real problem as far as the Aboriginal flag is concerned. It's privately owned. Mr Harold Thomas designed the flag and went to court many years ago and holds the copyright to the Aboriginal flag, which is a national flag, a private individual holding a copyright to a national flag. And what Mr Thomas does is he obviously he gets... Uh, he has uh, agreements with various flag manufacturers and gets a percentage. But... To expand his little empire, it's gone a little bit further. What he's done is given exclusive rights to r- Wham clothing in uh, Queensland over the use of the Aboriginal flag, and the Aboriginal people around this country who are using the flag on products which they make, who are having a cease and desist cease and desist legal letters sent to them to stop using the flag on those products because the flag is privately owned, privately copyrighted. How ridiculous. How ridiculous that a national flag is privately owned. As far as the Torres Strait Islander flag is, it is owned by each and every one of us. It was designed by Mr Namok almost three decades ago in a competition which was run in the Torres Strait for a Torres Strait Islander flag. I spoke about, I think I spoke about the flag last week during Mabo Day. I mean it's an extraordinarily complex flag but anybody can use it. There's no copyright on it. And that's what a national flag should be. It should be the property of all, not the property of a family or an individual who makes money from copyright. And I find it quite extraordinary, and many Indigenous Australians find it quite extraordinary that it is a uh, privately-owned flag. I mean, all it takes is one piece of legislation to overcome that copyright. National flags should not be the personal property of individuals, irrespective of whether they created them or not. You listen to The Anarchist World this week... Broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, just in case you've forgotten, there is a Royal Commission into Aged Care. And um, a lot of the uh, information that's come out has been quite horrifying. Not to me, because I expected that, but, but to a lot of Australians. And I think what people have forgotten is that what we've done in this country during the, uh, the great neoliberal revolution, the globalisation, corporatisation, privatisation, deregulation revolution that has swept this country and the world over the last 40 years, a revolution which is found to have failed in almost every aspect, the fact is that what we've seen is the privatisation of old age. You like that? the privatisation of old age, private investment for private profit. And many of the shortcomings of the old age sector, especially now when we've got an increasing frail elderly population which is living longer, that has multiple health issues, that in many cases are estranged from families or find themselves in a situation where they don't have families, or families can't care for them, who find themselves increasing numbers in uh, in nursing homes across this country, which are subsidised to some degree by the uh, federal government. The fact is that many, many of these nursing homes now belong to private corporations. Four to five large corporations dominate the uh, nursing home sector in this country today. And the dilemma is, the equation is very simple, It's a very simple equation. You have somebody who needs care. Some people need more care than others. You provide the care. You get some money from the individual. You get some money from the uh, state government, a little bit, and you get a lot of money from the federal government. But you make a profit because many of these corporations are listed on the stock exchange. They need to make a profit. At the same time, We've been encouraged – well, not encouraged. We've been told through law that money goes into superannuation funds. There are $2.8 trillion in Australian superannuation funds currently and they actually keep the stock market uh, ticking over. $0.40 of every dollar which is invested in the Australian stock market today will be invested through superannuation companies and many of these fund managers are investing in – in industries that uh, are not very good for the, uh, the world, let alone for the environment. But again, we've seen the privatisation of old age. Now, it's interesting that when nursing homes became private, heavily privatised about 20 to 30, it was about 30 years ago, that the private investors would not enter the marketplace. You like that? The marketplace unless certain changes were made to legislation. And those changes were about staffing ratios and about registered nurses. And what we saw is legislation put in place which increased staffing ratios, which means in plain English that one person has to look after more people in a shorter period of time And legislation was put in place to ensure that uh, registered nurses were not there on every shift in order to maximise profits. Because you you can't make much profit from nursing homes. You can either stop food coming in, and that's not very nice, and it doesn't cost much to provide food. In some places it's $2.50, $3 a day is what they spend on food for elderly people. But... The fact is that uh, you've got to make a profit somewhere. So you make your profit by making your staff work longer and harder and providing less care for your residents. So I'm interested to see whether the Royal Commission is actually looking at this important facet of the privatised nursing home industry because the privatised nursing home industry, like the childcare industry, which is basically run by... uh, a small number of small corporations. Obviously, there are smaller players, but the the big players, you know, run run the roost. The fact is that we're using government subsidies to provide subsidised large corporations which are making profits for their uh, shareholders at the expense of the people they're caring for. So is that model actually viable? And I don't believe it's viable. I don't believe there is the fact to actually make a profit from looking after elderly people unless they're rich elderly people. Now, obviously, there are five-star nursing homes, but if you're in a five-star nursing home, which I've been to a few, and they look very nice, although the care is questionable in some of them, the issue is, if you're at a five-star nursing home, the issue is, you know, it costs. So the individual contribution increases. $700 a week, $1,000 a week, $5,000 a week. And the list goes on and on. So the private nursing home industry is really there, needs, needs major reforms. And the word reform, I'm talking about reform, is to make things better. Is there any room? Is there any room for the private sector to be involved in the care of elderly, frail people in our community? Do we really need to extract a profit from every segment of the community? Is that the only way that we can actually provide services for people? I mean, we saw it with uh, Centrelink. We've seen the increase in privatisation in more and more aspects of Centrelink. We see it with the abolition of the, uh, uh, the Commonwealth Employment Service and the privatisation of the Commonwealth Employment Service, the growth of companies which now dominate that area and and have have to date be making the lives the lives of people on social security benefits a misery and will we go back to that at the end of at the end of job seeker will we go back to that will we allow that to happen and that is the key are we going to sit back and do nothing as the government changes the mantra from we are We are all in this together too. it's time you pay, you know. And when I say it's time you pay, it's time for that section of society that don't don't owns the means of production, distribution and exchange and communication that aren't investors, that 8% of society that aren't investors to pay and pay through the nose. And we're already seeing the federal government introduce legislation which is beginning to roll back the curtain to the good old days. The good old days when you could actually marginalise, humiliate, denigrate people on social security benefits for being on social security benefits. Where you could actually pass special laws to ensure workers can't remove their labour in this country without... Significant penalties. I mean, that is the issue we face on a day-to-day basis. Do we want these laws revoked? Do we want to go back to the good old days in inverted commas, where the difference between master and slave was very, very, very relevant? As I said before, you've been listening to The Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. There's a few, just like to remind you about the 3CR appeal for uh, this month, for the June appeal. Again, you can contribute in many ways. You can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. You can send cheques or money orders to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 or you can ring 03 and donate with a credit card. Remember, this program is podcast. The program is podcast. You can go to 3cr.org.au That's 3cr.org.au This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au courtesy of Community Radio 3CR. A few websites you may be interested in. You can go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website. If you want to join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest you can download the application form by going to pipsi.net That's net. As I said, we're going to Uh, reactivate the public housing struggle here in Victoria and hopefully you'll activate the public housing struggle where you live across this country and uh, if you want to learn more about that you can go to Public Housing Everybody's Business Facebook page or Defend and Extend Public Housing there are two Facebook pages I recommend you have a look at you can go to my personal Facebook page Joseph Toscano or Toscano for the Public that's Joseph Toscano or Toscano for the Public Yes, you can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com, or at info at pipsy.net, or at info at pipsy.net, you can email me at. Or you can always send me a letter at post office box 20 Parkville 3052. That's post office box 20 Parkville 3052. Or you can leave a message on 0439 395 489. I'm very grateful to be back in the studios of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne so I can actually broadcast to you across the country on the Community Radio Network. I wish you all the best. It's going to be a difficult three months. As I said at the beginning of the program, A swallow a single swallow doesn't foreshadow the coming of spring. We're at the beginning, not just of a real winter, but at the beginning of an economic winter. And uh, irrespective of what the stock market does or doesn't do, remember, they don't actually know the future. All they're doing is speculating about making a bit more money. Uh, Ultimately, whether things change or not, as we've seen with the uh, Black Lives Matter protest, ultimately, it depends on you taking action, coming out on the streets... Uh, it's important that uh, you get involved. The more you get involved, the more possibility about change occurring, real change. And whatever happens, let's make sure it's not business as usual. They want business as usual. We don't want business as usual. We want the creation of that new world in our hearts, a society based on Direct democratic principles, where the people involved decision make that decision. Society where wealth is held in common, and used for the common good. Listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure being back in the studios. Uh, I recommend you support community radio stations across the country. Uh, There are many community radio stations which need your financial support and irrespective of what community radio station you're listening to the Anarchist World this week on via the community radio network, it's important that you financially support them to ensure that community radio continues to be a viable uh, source of independent, radical-based information in this country. Without your support, community radio... Will die. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World This Week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week to The Anarchist World This Week. Blood Destruction, Sorcerer of Death Construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events.